You know, man, when you start finding different ways to win a ball game each night, like the Knicks are doing right now, that's when you know it's a little real. You know, that's when you know something is brewing and, and there may be something special going on is when you just find different types of ways to win despite not playing your best game. Um, and for those of you who follow my podcast during the summers, you know how I don't just like to throw that term around, special. I, you know, with the Yankees, I waited until late June after that that Houston series where, where Hicks walked it off on them and it was kind of the peak of their season to use the word. Um, some would even say that's premature for me, but obviously the Yankees ended up not being so special, but this is a different situation, right? This team has different expectations, lower standards. If the Knicks were to come four games shy of a championship appearance, their season would be considered a historic success. And, and we still have to see what they do in the playoffs. But I'm telling you right now, if they keep this composure, this determination, and play with the unity that they're playing with right now, why can't we win at least a round, maybe two? You know, why, why can't we make a little bit of a, an underdog type of run? And just like Boston the other night, for, for some dumb reason... I'm sitting here getting a little nervous to play the Miami Heat. Because I feel like the Heat always give the Knicks a tough time and they're not a great matchup for us. I don't know if it's PTSD from the past or what, but I always feel like Miami's a... They match up well against us. Not that I'm scared of them. I wouldn't say I'm scared of them. But they make it close every single time. And they did once again last night. However, the Knicks win this one 122 to 120 in Miami, which may have well may as well have been Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Thanks to Julius Randle and um a ferocious Nick crowd in Miami Dade Arena last night. We'll talk about it episode 487 of the podcast. Let's go. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4 where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down and the game is tied! Time! Tim creates and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Let's talk some Knicks, man. I am excited to do this, man. Episode 487. This team is something. They beat the Heat. The Knicks beat the Heat for their eighth straight behind Randall's game winner last night. It was something. It was a tale of two halves, really. It started with Jimmy Butler, right? He got off to a hot start in the first quarter. 
He was getting to the free throw line constantly, which will become a theme of the night. He scored 33 points last night on 8 of 20. Oh, I'm sorry, 18 of 20 from the free throw line. Um, but then you had, you know, the Knicks just trying to stop him in many ways. You had R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly in some early foul trouble. Then you had Kevin Love, old, washed Kevin Love, who totally forgot he was um, in the league until he saw that the Heat were interested and, and they signed him a few days ago. He starts hurting the Knicks a little bit. I mean, some rebounds, some tip-ins, a couple free throws. The Heat go up by five points late in the first period. But then the Knicks go on this massive 11-0 run, and it's led by mostly Julius Randle. I mean, he's stepping into the lane, shooting jumpers off one leg like he's Dirk. He's pulling up for three-pointers in transition like he's Steph. He goes for 20 points on 7-9 shooting, and he's perfect 4-4 at the three-point line in the first quarter alone. The Knicks end up going ahead 37-31 after one. Second quarter arrives, and it's Quickly's turn. He's hot right out the gate, and he gets the Knicks on this 10-3 run out the, out the, uh, out the gate in the second quarter couple three-point balls he had the runner in the lane working some free throws in there for him and all of a sudden it's 47 to 34 Knicks a little while later in the second quarter RJ Barrett's getting hot with eight consecutive for New York he's attacking downhill which he would do most of the night very effectively um and so Eric Spolstra calls a timeout and then the heat come out of it a little hot Gabe Vincent drills a three but Randall responds to the run and the Nova Knicks get it going. It's Brunson and Hart. The Knicks enter halftime up 71-56. to They shoot 63%. Something's going on with them where they get off to these crazy good starts now. But then the fun ended. And the battle began. And it got tough from there. And I started getting nervous. Um, Bam Adebayo, who had 18 points last night, right away starts taking the ball up the court like a guard. And he's finishing around the basket. Couple drives, a jumper in there. And suddenly it's a game. The deficit is single digits for the Heat. And that's when Thibodeau calls a timeout. The game goes back and forth for a little bit. Then it's Brunson who leaves the game with the sprained ankle on the fast break there. And I'm sitting there, the pessimistic asshole that I am, thinking he's done for not only last night, but for maybe one to two, maybe three weeks. Like, I'm thinking worst-case scenario. But no, of course. He, he just goes to the locker room to tape it up. And not only does he come back out to the bench, he later checks in, and, and he drops a cool 25 on the night. And he barely missed again. The kid is as tough as anybody out there. I, I mean, he was even questionable... Heading into last night's game with the knee injury from the Mikal Bridges collision. And he, you know, that was, he dropped damn near 40 points. He's insane. But more on him later. It, it's Miami who keep getting closer and closer in that third quarter. They pull within five, they pull within three after Tyler Hero knocks out a triple. He had 29 last night. But at the end of the third quarter, the Knicks make another small push. Quickly dumps one off to Hartenstein at the rim for the floater. Then you get quickly knocking down a three-point ball off some excellent ball movement. You know, you had Randall pass out of a double. Hart swings to RJ. RJ swings to quickly around the perimeter and quickly knocks it down to put the Knicks up 96-88, entering the fourth quarter. 
Fourth quarter comes and quickly wasn't done yet. He leads the Knicks on another run all by himself with eight points in a row. Couple more three point balls in there. Another runner by Quick puts the Knicks up a dozen. Then it gets a little ugly. Um, it's Oladipo. Remember that guy? He connects up top for a three. Then you get the five second call on the Knicks inbound right after that. And then somehow Caleb Martin gets loose and knocks down a three pointer. And Miami takes their first lead since the opening minutes 107 to 106. I don't know who it was that lost him there. I got to look back at the film, but he came all the way, all the way around from the weak side of the floor to knock it down. He was wide open. Um, fortunately, Jalen Brunson is unbelievable, and he came up with big shot after big shot for the Knicks. But Jimmy Butler, who's having arguably his best season yet, at least his most efficient season, did exactly that. He ties the game at the one minute and change mark, and now it's up to the Knicks. So the next time down for the Knicks, it was Randall with the and one baseline turnaround jumper over Bam Adebayo, and then he converts the free throw. Now, unfortunately, people are not going to remember that shot by Randall, obviously because he hit the game winner, but that was the biggest shot of the night. That kept the Knicks alive. If they missed that shot, that's the Heat with an opportunity to go up by two possessions, and, and the game could have easily went their way from there. But after that, after Randall knocks down the free throw, you get the controversial call on quickly with, with Bam Adebayo bumping into Hero on the screen action. They say that quickly made contact before Bam did, or at the same time. So Miami in the bonus, uh, it, it sends uh, Hero to the free throw line, and he cuts the lead to one after knocking them both down. The Knicks are up just one. The next time down for the Knicks, though, you had Randall doing a bit too much, and he coughs it up into a double team. Miami takes it on the break from there, and Hero lays it in to take a one-point lead for Miami. But of course, with 24 seconds left in the game still, Brunson takes it up the floor. He hands it. He kind of, you know, he's like right next to Randall. He throws him the pass, who sees another double team. Yeah, Butler poking it loose. Uh, Randall goes after it on the right wing near the sideline. Retrieves the ball. Takes a dribble or two. And he's fallen to his right near the corner. But with seven-tenths of a second left on the game clock, he shoots it over Tyler Hero, who's closing out on him. And the shot drops. It's a high-arcing three. It drops. Swish. Three-pointer's good. Breen comes through with a double bang. And the Knicks eventually win. Um, and every fan in the building in Miami Dade Arena, outside of maybe 30 Heat fans, were all jumping up and down because their Knicks won the game. <laughs> I mean, talk about MSG South jokes. We've got Orlando infested with us. We've got Atlanta. We've got Miami. It is awesome how much this fan base takes over your shitty arenas. It's awesome. Um, the icing on the cake being this was right in front of that traitor Pat Riley too. He was on the sideline watching the game. Uh, obviously, as a part of their organization. Right in front of him. So, that just made me feel much better. It was a huge game for the Heat. They're on the outside looking in. Big time rivalry. It always seems to be a good game when these two sides play. But the Knicks came in. They said, fuck you. They slapped them around a bit. Gave them some false hope at the end. 
took it back and left with a W. Awesome win. Um, for the Knicks last night, you had Julius Randle score 43 points and hit the game winner. Um, Jalen Brunson, 25 points on a bad knee and a bad ankle because, of course, quickly 21 more points from off the bench. Those, uh, those three together, who might become the new big three uh, for this team, they, they combined to shoot 64%. R.J. Barrett's got 17 points on the night. He's 8 of 11 from inside the arc. Josh Hart didn't score much um, once again, but how about 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block, and his 8th win in 8 tries with the Knicks. The Knicks win again, 122-120 over the Heat. They shoot 58%, 52% from 3. You get 3 guys, Randall, Brunson, and Quickly. Dropping eight, p- eight points apiece in the fourth quarter. This team is determined. They they are locked in and they, they're they hungry to do nothing but win. They go up a bunch at halftime. They started struggling third quarter when the Heat made their adjustments. You know, you got Robinson and Brunson playing banged up. The Knicks could have easily just said, hey, you know, it's not our night. We had a hell of a run. We have some padding in the standings. Let's sit Brunson. Let's sit Mitch Robinson the rest of the way. Double up on rest before Sunday's big game against against Boston. You know, which, you know, the manager of my favorite baseball team would definitely have that thought process. You know, and maybe even some of the players would. But no, this Knicks team actually has a pair of balls. They have actually got a leader who's strong. Um, they fight back, they scratch and claw, and they manage to, like I said, just find a way to win. That's simple. So it's now eight in a row for these guys. It's it's ten of eleven, and again, since December fourth, they're now twenty-eight and fourteen. That's six sixty-seven basketball. They're just one game behind the Cavs for fourth place. They are two games ahead of the irrelevant Nets, and now an entire four and a half games ahead of Miami. 11 games above 500 on the year, 38 and 27, just a tick below, a tick below 600 ball on the season, which I consider 600 to be the standard of a great team in this league. But man, it, it, you know, I really wanted that fourth seed. I really want that fourth seed badly. I, I want it really badly. Um, uh, home court's going to be important. I, I know the Knicks can play on the road, but I saw Cleveland's home record. I saw it. I was looking at the standings last night, and I had no clue, but I do now. I saw it, so I, I prefer that extra game being at the world's most famous arena. Um, Do we end up playing the Cavs? Let's talk. Let's talk about it. Let's dive this, dive into this. Let's pick it apart. Let's get into this Knicks game. We'll head to our first break, get back, and we'll talk about it. Hey, guys, so if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 486. That should say, let's see. Yeah. That should say 487 right there of the podcast. Sorry. Um. 
Where do we start? I want to start with Julius Randle because he's obviously getting the game ball. Bing bang. Julius Randle obviously wins the game ball last night. I mean, he was dominant either way. But as a rule, you knock down the game winner, you get the award. That's my rule. And hey, four years later into his Knicks career, Randle finally gets it off his back. Um, I don't recall him ever hitting one like this in, in the very, very, very last seconds. Um, he might have had one during the COVID year against Chicago, but I don't know that it was with two seconds remaining or 1.7 seconds remaining. Point being, he, he's not exactly been Mr. Clutch uh, for the Knicks this year and, and for the Knicks period. We know that, you know, but, but he's finally got it off his back. And I'm happy for him. You know, he, he needed to get that off his back. And, and, you know, that possession earlier was rough. Uh, he, he turns it, you know, he turns it over right into the double. I was cussing up a storm. You know, why are we going to Randall? Get the ball in Brunson's hands. All that stuff. But he was hot, and you could say he deserves it. You know, it, it wasn't the prettiest play at the end there where he knocked it down, but... Uh, Tibbs has gone to ISO Randall as his default at the end of games, and it never usually works. And it almost didn't. I mean, he almost lost it twice with Butler stripping him. But credit to him for getting it done when it counts, and that is all that matters. You know, he got the shot in, he got it up, and it fell. He, I'm going to give him credit. And anybody who's trying to discredit Randall at this point in the season, I think they're just trying to carry a narrative. You all know I'm not the biggest fan of Randall. I've never been. But how could you how could you possibly over-criticize him at this point? He's putting up MVP caliber numbers. Um, obviously, he's not going to win the MVP, but he's at least in the, he's top seven on the, on the key rankings. And also, credit to Mitchell Robinson. Because once the officials put time back on the clock, I, I saw the 1.7 and I was, you know... Biting every nail on my finger. I, you know, the PTSD kicked, uh, the PTSD kicked in. <laughs> but um, credit to Mitch for for coming up with that big steal on the inbound to secure the win there. Um, but hopefully that loosens up Julius in these moments now. You know, now that he got it out of the way, maybe we see this more often from him. Maybe we we see him knock down a few more clutch time shots for the Knicks. I don't know. But overall, he was. Robust. 43 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. He shot the ball 16 out of 25, 8 of 13 from 3, and he did this all across 36 minutes. It just, it feels like it's either one of Randall or Brunson putting up 35, 40-something points every single night now. Doesn't it? It does. And and that reminds me of something um, that I heard last night when I was listening to a Knicks podcast about the game. They were talking about about Randall, and they brought up a good point that the Knicks may not have what you would call a superstar, but they have two guys. They've got two guys who are capable of playing like a star on any given night. So if one isn't playing like a star on a certain night, excuse me, there's, there's a good chance that the other one might be on that level that same night. You know, not that we don't need a superstar going forward. We still need one. But it, it's a good way to think about it for the time being. 
you know. Um, and Randall has been dominating all year, though, man. You know, with these absurd, again, what would be MVP numbers just a few years ago. Um, we, we know about the three-point ball and how that's developed. He's increased the volume. He's top 10 in, in three-point makes in basketball. Uh, and ever since his, you know, shit show three-point contest, um, he, he's just been going off from the arc. In, in these five games post-All-Star break, Randall is 50% on his threes, averaging 5.5 per game um, on 11 attempts per game. So <laughs> that's like some Steph Curry, Damian Lillard type shit. But I really want to bring this up, how well he's been dominating dominating um he's dominating the inside game you know that doesn't get enough conversation i feel like um his mid-range game is back we saw that plenty last night the shot on Adebayo on the baseline perfection he was attacking Adebayo there all night it's been good he's 42 percent on the season in the mid-range that's a good solid percentage um but he's also just dominating the paint <clears throat> he's dominating the paint just relentless, drawing fouls, finishing through contact, grabbing the offensive rebounds off a miss. He's he's dominating down there. He's shooting 67% in the restricted area. It's solid, um, but it's just the, the, the aggressiveness, the no-quit mentality that he's got down in the paint, and he's also working the mid-range as well as he's ever done. Uh, overall, he's 56% on his two-point shots, so I think that's a big reason... For the turnaround, is Randall's able to dominate inside the arc again, as well as have a decent three-point game going. Um, and again, I, I checked the Kia MVP race last week. Randall was ranked seventh in the top ten. You know, he's not going to win it, obviously. I, I get that, but to be in the conversation says a lot. Um, so Julius Randall can't criticize him anymore. You got to give him credit. I apologize for for being so tough on you. Um, but you know that's how it works in New York, and um, we're in a good spot with him now. Let's talk more about this game. I want to talk specifically about that second quarter because I thought it played a big part in this win. Um, we'll talk about it when we return from break. Stay with us. Be right back. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify. But you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 487 of the podcast. You know, man, that second quarter, I felt like it was the biggest part of the game. It was huge. Um, it was much like the, the importance of the second quarter was much like the first half the Knicks had against, I don't know if it was Jersey or Boston, but it was big because it helped build up such a lead for when it got tight. You know, the Knicks kind of used that as insurance. Um, and I thought they did that with the second quarter last night. They just, like they built momentum and then they ran off of that. They kind of lived off that huge second quarter. Josh Hart checks in, and once again, he's changing the pace of the game for the Knicks. He's pushing the tempo, rebounding, his head's up. He's going up the floor with the, with the ball. Um, he made outlet passes to RJ, 
who ended up hitting Obi in the corner. He later led the break with RJ as the trailer after the Mitchell Robinson block. Um, but just the way that, that Josh Hart has come in here and done exactly what the Knicks have been needing, it's great. It's great. And again, only five points last night. But he's not shooting just to shoot. He was two for three against the Nets. He was two for three last night. He's just, he's doing what he has to do. He's doing everything they ask. He's getting the Knicks to run more, which is very important in this modern run-and-gun style uh, uh, era that we're in. The Knicks had 23 fast-break points last night. Um, And so that got me looking up a little numbers here. And I did some research. Before Josh Hart, in 57 games on the year, the Knicks were 27th in fast-break points per game. But since acquiring Josh Hart in eight games, the Knicks have been 12th in fast break points per game. That is undoubtedly, undoubtedly not a coincidence. You watch the guy, he's going 100 miles an hour out there. His motor is the polar opposite of the guy who was traded for him. I'm not even going to mention that guy's name anymore because I was a big fan of him, but I just, I want to get that toxicity out of here. And it's not him. Who was toxic? It was it was the conversation around him was toxic. The whole why doesn't Tibbs play him this and that? But it's nice to not have that conversation a thing anymore. Um, Josh Hart, unbelievable off the bench quickly. He's always played like that too. He's always got his head up on the break after going after rebounds. He's looking for guys on the other side of the floor too. Um, but yeah, it, I thought that was especially important for the Knicks in the second quarter there. To, to run the floor like they did last night because the Heat, as we know, are a very tough defensive team in the half court. They slow it down. They play physical much like the Knicks do. They use their size, their veteran savviness, if that's a word. Um, so I thought Hart and, and Quickly did a nice job for the Knicks, especially in that second quarter. Um, and, and Quickly, he's going to get the second award, the, the game ball off the bench for us because, I, I mean, I thought this guy was... was also very good. Bing bang. 21 points for quickly last night. Um, just continues to be almost perfect this year. 21 points, 7 of 11, seven of 11 shooting, 5 of 9 from 3-point distance, and hit both of his free throws. On the year, on the year, Emmanuel quickly is up to 13 points, 45% field goals, 36% from 3. Um, and in his last 34 games... 16 points per game, 49% from the floor, and 40% from three. Consistent. Consistent, consistent, consistent. I am hammering that word with quickly lately because it's been nothing but true. He has been consistent. And on both sides of the ball, you know, you could definitely argue that Emmanuel quickly has been their best most consistent perimeter defender this season for the Knicks. He is a weapon in the point of attack. He navigates screens very well. That call on the Adebayo screen with with Hero was a bit iffy for me. But he's playing great defense, and of course he's going to give you the scoring. Um, And it's it's the timing of his shots that I love so much. It's the perfect timing. It's so relieving every time he knocks down a triple or connects on that floater over a big because it's oh it always feels like it comes in big spots during the course of the night 
doesn't have to be in the final five minutes or whatever, but I'm just talking in big moments throughout the game. Like in the second quarter, again, when the Knicks had a decent lead, he knocked down a number of shots to make it a pretty large lead. Uh, or in the second half, when the game was uh, was you know a lot tighter, he'd knock down crucial shot after crucial shot to stop the bleeding or, or get the momentum back. You know, the one at the end of the third quarter was a great example of that. And then obviously the eight consecutive points in the fourth quarter there. I'm just happy for him. I'm very happy for him. And he looks happy. You know, I, he, he looks he looks great. And I'm glad to be proven wrong. Um, you know, maybe those trade rumors were good for him. You know, maybe they helped him, helped him up his game. Uh, and I think he's sticking around too. I, I do. I have a feeling that not only will Josh Hart get a new deal this summer, but I think quickly he's going to get his money as well. Um, he becomes eligible for the extension, I think, in June, and I believe he's going to get it by then too. I, you know, he's he's just been he's been too important to this team to just give him away for a first round pick. Way too important. Um, what else do we got here? You know, last night's offense. Um, especially in the first half, once again, was everything... Also have... Whoops, that was a mistake. Trying to find the right graphic here. Here we go. Uh, last night's offense was was everything, once again, that I want to see from the Knicks down the stretch of the season, a.k.a. in a playoff round. And a big part of it is, you know, they're knocking down their shots lately, right? Their, their three-point percentages have recently been phenomenal. You're getting guys like Rhymes quickly, Randall obviously, Brunson, and, and even RJ outside of last night, knocking it down from three lately. Um, during this eight-game win streak, they are 41% on their threes. So, pretty good. But, you know, it's again, it, it's the transition play lately, which stems from great defense and rebounding. Um, and it's also the ball movement in the half court, which I really have seen an uptick in lately. 23 assists last night, but I'm not talking assist numbers, man. I'm not looking at numbers. Just watch the way that they make the extra pass around the perimeter. The way that they're doing that lately. You know, look at the way Randall's kicking it out when they trap him in post-up. Look at how Brunson does the same thing on the perimeter. I've counted a number of instances in the last two nights where the Knicks have won around the horn very quickly on the outside to get it to the guy in the corner, right? The pass, pass on the wing reading the weak side help to make that kick out shit like that it's been it's been pretty on point and i'm telling you running offense like that in a playoff series instead of just iso randall and iso brunson where the defense is going to load up it's really going to benefit them you know you you want to get everybody involved in those games of course you can iso i'm not saying totally go away from it but in times where guys aren't exactly on point with their shooting or or if the defense is playing a certain scheme on you you got to mix it up and you got to know how to move the ball. You know, bust the zone, find the middle, screen, cut, find the open pockets. Um, there are a few annoying, uh, you know, recurring themes when it comes to the Nick offense. Um, I will say that I am not enjoying the foul shooting lately. It has got to improve. Uh, you got to convert your free throws, man. That could be a difference right there in an entire series. You know, too many 60% nights lately. You know, 65% last night. Four of those six misses at the line last night came in the first quarter. 
Uh, I don't feel comfortable when R.J. Barrett steps to the line, although he didn't really get to the line last night outside the and one. Um, but even Jalen Brunson, like he has these crazy stretches where he's either automatic or if he's not automatic, he's pretty below average at the line. It's weird. Um, but that's a nitpick because he is over 80-something percent. It's just got to be better as a team. It's just got to be better. Uh, and my other concern, which has been a concern under Thibodeau since he's gotten here, is, of course, the um, it's uh, ATO offense. The Knicks' ATO offense. Last night, again, on the inbound in the second half, guys are just standing still. Nobody's moving. Brunson was stuck. And you get the five seconds. Um, and again, at the end of the game, you know, the turnover into a double team, just going ISO, these free-for-all ISO sets in the half court, we got to draw up something better than that. Last night it worked in the very end, but you had some rough half-court moments there too, right? So I worry about ATO offense with this team. Coming out of timeouts and executing is 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 a problem. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure how to fix that. I think the number one thing is guys just have to move off the ball. It's not always the guy with the ball in his hands that you got to blame, but it's it's guys outside him have to come to him, retrieve the ball, um, or just start cutting, screening more. You need more body movement off the basketball. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you can't complain. The vibes are, <laughs> the vibes are great. <laughs> I hate using that word, man. It's so... I don't know, it's very Zoomer. Um, makes me feel old. But the bad energy just seems gone right now with, with this Knicks unit. You know, it's all the negativity about firing Tibbs and, you know, play Cam Reddish. I said his name. Uh, trade Julius, trade Hartenstein. You know, the preseason stuff is gone too. Brunson being this massive overpay at the start of the year, we were concerned if he would play well. Uh, the Donovan Mitchell, Leon Rose thing, obviously, which I want to say something here about that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to word this. I, you know, in no way am I saying that I'm glad the Knicks passed up on that offer. Um, I, I would do it 10 times out of 10 still. But I am, as we keep winning, I'm trying to keep an open mind and trying not to be as stubborn as I was when we were losing games. And I want to try to give credit when it's due. And maybe the thought process with Leon Rose was like he wanted to establish a foundation of young players first, develop a core get them used to each other and develop this culture with them and then go for the home run move later. Um, again, I, I still think I do this deal, but it's no longer in my head as the ultimate failure. Now, like if the Knicks are going to lose a game, I have to do a better job of not just reverting to that excuse, you know, now that we have to see how the remainder of the year goes and, and what they do in the playoffs. If they get embarrassed by Cleveland in the first round and Donovan Mitchell's out there dropping 35 a night, it's not going to look great. You know, maybe I'll retract these second thoughts, but I wouldn't even call them second thoughts. I, I really think, I really just think it's, I'm trying to be reasonable, you know, 
Because if I was the opposite and I was like, oh no, I, I still want them, I still want them, I'd get shit for that. <laughs> but I think we can take Cleveland. You know, I, I think the more experience the Knicks have with games like this, these tough, gritty, down-to-the-wire type games, the better it is for them come playoff time. You know? But, yeah, I'm just trying to be a little rational here and, and with the Knicks playing so well without a Donovan Mitchell and only one game worse than Cleveland who have Mitchell, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, hold on one sec. We, um, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. We still need a guy of that caliber, obviously, and that's the hardest part. But I, I am a big believer that winning attracts superstar players. Winning and money, which we have the luxury of both right now. Um. Anyways, just the, the point being at the top of this whole conversation, the, the bad energy, it's it's gone. It's out the window right now. There There is this Cloud9 special feeling about the Knicks. Um, they're starting to get some national respect too, you notice. You know, not that I care too much about that, but it is kind of nice to be in the headlines for some good news again and not just tired, old, exaggerated narratives. And you got Barkley saying some good things even on TNT, which they're not usually friendly to us. Stephen A. Uh, Perkins has is, is been he's been on the Nick train for a while. Uh, Reddick, you know, it's nice to see some some recognition around the league in a positive manner for a change. Um, but to me, it's not just about this season. You know, it's actually more about the future possibilities that make me optimistic to a degree. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 positive right now. We're trying to keep this a good thing going. Um, J- Jalen Brunson, speaking of positivity, wow. Just something different, man. He's just something different. 25 points last night, 9 out of 14 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3, 8 assists. I mean, it's weird because I I think most of us can agree that he's been their best, most consistent player, but he continues to get overlooked by the NBA. Um, Not only did he miss the All-Star game, which he definitely should have been a part of, but he's not even in the MVP conversation, which is odd because, again, he's been the Knicks' best player. You know, just because he's 6'1 and he's not grabbing 10 rebounds, you can't exclude the guy from that conversation. The wins that he's helped this team get, amazing. The the amount of times he's come through with big shots. Wow. Last night. Last night, some huge fourth quarter shots. (laughs) My voice is coming and going. Big time fourth quarter shots when coming back from the ankle injury. Early fourth quarter, four point Nick lead. He knocks down the floater over Bam Adebayo. Tough shot. Um, a little later, about 5:30 something remaining, the Heat they're up a point. He drives on Oladipo and he finishes with another floater. Late in the game, you had Caleb Martin switch onto him late in the shot clock. He isos him. Then he knocks down a tough turnaround jumper to put the Knicks up three. And then, with two minutes to play, the Knicks up two. He goes to the floater again over Oladipo high off the glass. The moment just never seems to be too big for him. That's the thing. He's calm. He's steady. He takes care of the basketball. So you feel very comfortable when he's got the ball out there late in the game. 
or whenever the Knicks are facing some adversity. You feel comfortable when he's out there. It's just a different feeling when Brunson's out there as opposed to when Quickly's out there or even Hart running lead guard. No offense to them because they've been great themselves, but Quickly, uh, Brunson is just on a different stratosphere. He just gets it done. He gets the job done. And on the year, in crunch time situations, he's still second in the NBA, which he's been on that list all year. He's got 44 field goals made in crunch time situations, the final five minutes of a five-point game. And his efficiency line in those moments, 51% shooting, 38% from three, and 82% of the line. Unreal. The Heat were trapping him in the pick and roll last night, but it didn't matter because he still made his passes. He found dunkers and cutters and, and perimeter shooters, and he finished shooting 9 of 14 with 8 assists. And just like that, after that throw, uh, that, that three-game stretch where he was coming out the gate a little slow and, and missing some shots, Brunson is 75% on his field goals in the last two nights and 62% from three. <laughs> um, The Nick defense... And I hope he plays against Boston. I do. I hope he's okay. Um, he'll probably be questionable tomorrow. But I hope he's good to go. I hope he's healthy. And I hope he um, plays because we're going to need him for that. I feel like that might be a tough game. But I've been saying that for a while. And look at me getting proved wrong. Uh, the Nick defense last night obviously struggling to stay out of foul trouble. 23 personal fouls. They allowed 32 free throw attempts to go up. And, and again, Butler shot 20 of them. Miami's got a lot of savvy veterans. I get that. Um, And there were some interesting veteran calls for sure that went their way. But you still got to be better there. You got to adjust to the officials as the game goes on. Tighten up, slide your feet, avoid those reach-ins. But I saw some good moments. You know, I saw uh, Mitchell Robinson, I thought, was very sharp defensively. Um, And he didn't put up any numbers last night, you know, Bam Adebayo, I feel like, is usually a tough matchup for him. But he did a nice job chasing him around last night and boxing him out to hold hold Bam to only four rebounds. Um, he had the big steal for his second there at the end of the game. Uh, I, I thought he played a very impactful game. you know. And a lot of time, that can be the story of Mitchell Robinson. You know, the numbers aren't going to stand out, but he does very impactful things. And... It, I cannot stand people who think he's garbage because they go right to basketball reference and they look for statistics. If that was the case, why doesn't every player win, you know, win games? You know, why doesn't every player with great numbers win in the playoffs? There are winning players and there are losing players. Sometimes winning players put up underwhelming numbers. Sometimes losing players put up these all-star numbers, but they never win. Right, I can mention you a few guys. Um, and being one of those fans, it's almost like watching, not watching. It's almost like not watching an excellent movie, but calling it garbage because you heard some other people didn't like it, or you didn't watch it because you didn't watch it, but you call it garbage because you just think it sounds underwhelming. You know, it's kind of like that. You gotta watch to know. Um. It was nuts. It was nuts to to, um, to see Mitch get hate last night. On on on, uh, you know, I was on Twitter a little bit, but I also thought Josh Hart played an excellent defensive game. He did really well on Tyler Hero. 
Now, Tyler Hero, again, he dropped 29 points, knocked down a bunch of triples, but not when Hart was out there, I'll tell you that much. He struggled when Hart was out there. Uh, but overall, the defense last night, as a team, not great. However, some key stops throughout the night, and, and you know the offense stepped up when it needed to. R.J. Barrett continues to be a very two-sided story. Uh, he had 17 last night. Some good, some bad. <laughs> uh, the good is that I love the way he was attacking the basket, getting going downhill in transition. That's what we want. You know, he goes 8 of 11 from 2. Um, he took early advantage of the mismatch, Gabe Vincent. He attacked the zone on the ball. And you even saw him flash to the middle to break up the zone on that quickly pass. That was nice to see. Um, but then you got the bat, right? Uh, missing a few rotations, not closing out sometimes. Obviously, he struggles getting over screens. Uh, Hero hurt him a few times on the night, I will say. Um, offensively, he was even hesitant to make that pass to the next man. You saw quickly had to clap to get his attention. RJ was, was about to shoot the thing, despite being 0 for 4 from 3. You just have to be, he, he's got to be more decisive. You know, I, I think he should take notes from the way Quentin Grimes makes makes a decision right away. You watch him and, and Grimes is either going to attack the closeout or shoot it. I think RJ needs to be more like that. He needs to realize that he doesn't have the dribble package that most guards do. He doesn't have the most consistent three-point shot. So just be smarter out there and, you know, just just know what you're doing. Um, he did get minutes with the closing unit last night. I think Thibodeau just wanted some size out there. Um, and I also think maybe, you know, he wanted the Knicks to, to get going to the basket too. So maybe that's why RJ was in there over quickly down the stretch. Because uh, the Heat are pretty, you know, they're a team with some size. But again, what I want from RJ Barrett is always going to be the same thing. It's efficiency first. I don't care about the scoring output is as much as I care about him being efficient um, and picking his spots better, you know? So that's now four out of five games since the break where he shot above 45%. And then three of those games, um, he shot 50%, including last night. He just needs to get better on that defensive side of the floor and remain efficient as he's been lately, and I'm I'm cool with it. But that's it. That's all I've got. We're going to head to break, get back, and wrap this one up with our parlay and our question of the day. Our trivia question coming up. Stay with us. Be right back. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to bd4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to bd4blog.com. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 487 of BD4. I'm just I'm watching a highlight of, of uh apparently Tibbs got dropped last night when Randall knocked down that three and ran over to the sideline. <laughs> he trucked Tibbs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Alright, let's get to our trivia. Uh you know, let's get to our, our parlay first. Let's get to our parlay. 
Welcome to RJ's Parlay, where my degenerate self breaks down tonight's big parlay. If I miss, it's not surprising. If I hit, I'll probably lose it all tomorrow night, because that's how this works. I'll probably lose it tonight on the John Jones fight, because I'm uh, going nuts with that. Um, I cannot wait for that fight. The whole card's going to be good. So for this parlay, uh, we did this one last night on the Nick game. We had a six-pick parlay uh, for plus 223 odds. I had Jalen Brunson going for 20-plus points. Jalen Brunson going for four-plus assists. Randall going for 20-plus points. Randall going for six-plus rebounds. Grimes knocking down at least one three. And then Robinson for six-plus rebounds. I nailed every single one except for the Robinson rebounds, and he finished with five, not six. That happens. That happens way too much. Way too much. Um, yeah, tonight I've got I've got some money on John Jones. There's a plus two hundred boost on uh, FanDuel, and I'm not sponsored to say this, but I'm just mentioning it uh, for John Jones to win via sub or by decision. So I took that. I've also got a little money line hedger, um, gone Valentina Jeff Neal. And then that's also parlayed with uh, Milwaukee Bucks covering the five spread today, as well as the over in the Cleveland Detroit game um, at two eighteen and a half. So I got a little bit of a five, you know, two sport five picker. Um, so that's it. Let's wrap this up with our trivia question of the day for episode four eighty seven here. All right, so for this episode, episode 487, our NYYNYK MMA trivia question of the day is the Knicks and Heat have played each other 132 times in the regular season. Which franchise has more wins against the other? All right, pretty simple. The Knicks and Heat have played each other 132 times in the regular season. Which franchise has more wins against the other? And again, this is excluding the postseason. One last time, the Knicks and Heat have played each other 132 times in the regular season. Which franchise has more wins against the other? So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout out. That's it. Episode 487 is in the books the Knicks take down Miami 122-120. Great win. And I'll see you guys in 420, uh, 488. 488. All right. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.